tuned in to an all-new episode of the Rap Lab Podcast. It's your boy, the Candy Man, A-L-F-R-E to the D. It's the one and only T-O. It's the Dilio. And it's your boy, Q. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we got a special guest in the building. Give it up for our homegirl, Tasha. Tasha, please introduce yourself to yes, the world indeed. and to our listening hey. audience. Yes, and uh, welcome, we appreciate welcome. you being here. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks for the warm welcome. I really appreciate that. Um, my name is Tasha Digital, also known as Analog Lady. I am a music historian. I produce television and film. I'm a music supervisor as well. I deal a lot in music licensing um, for television, films, video games. I am also a web developer and a marketing strategist as well. So my respective brands are AnalogLady.com and TashaDigital.com. Yeah, yeah, and I know y'all heard that. Follow her on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Analog Lady, and hit and uh, hit up TashaDigital.com. Um, she does some dope work, and for anybody who's on Twitter, she's always tweeting about the genre—not just about rap, but about music overall. And um, yeah, real dope individual. She she knows some music, and um, we appreciate you being on here. Um, the three of us, yes, you know, yes. uh, Thank we you. yeah, the, we 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 all have a good time talking about music on this show, so. Uh, you are a welcome addition, and as a content, a fellow content creator yourself, I feel like this conversation is gonna be like more than appropriate, and um, especially because the t- we in a real funny time uh, going on in the world right now. Um, yeah, I always call it bittersweet. If I had one word to describe what's happening right now, it's bittersweet. Um, again, I don't need to recap the year because unless you've been living under a rock. You know, with uh, all the racial injustice and all and, and coronavirus and COVID going around and everything being locked down and life not being what we know, what we know it to be lately for, like, for the last few months or so. It's just been rough. But I feel like it's safe to say, like, 
it would be harder to survive if we didn't have the music here. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, We're in the middle of a pandemic, a global pandemic. We're in the middle of civil unrest in the streets, you know, due to all of the police brutality. And we're also getting ready for one of the most important elections in the history of the United States. Yes, yes. So that being said, I was absolutely I was working in social justice for New York State, but I actually ended up leaving my job a couple weeks ago um, because of all those issues that we're up against. Um, My job is really intense, you know, and, and dealing in social justice, you know, we're at the grassroots level mobilizing regular everyday people who are just fucking tired of being oppressed. And we're also changing policies um, at the state level. So it was just a lot going on and it was really crazy for me. And I run several businesses. So I just took the leap and I said, you know what? I'm done with this shit. And I'm just going to focus on what's in understand. That's really cool. I'm blessed. Uh, it, it takes that's really cool it's good it's good that you've done that it's, it's really good that you've done that because you know with this whole pandemic it forces you to sit back and just look and analyze what's going on out there it forces you to sit down and slow down and in yeah. that time you have an opportunity to really look at what you can do how further you can put yourself and it's great that you've done that and that's very inspirational. Well, I've been doing it. I feel there, like you know, the work good. I've been doing over the years really prepared me for this. Like I started my first business yeah. in 2008 and I was running it remotely. Right. And every company that I worked for, I always kept a day job because there's nothing wrong with a steady check coming in, especially when you're an entrepreneur trying to figure things out. You always want to secure your environment. You always want to make sure right. that you have a roof over your head and Um, thankfully, I had started my first business over ten years ago. You break, am I breaking up? No, you're you're good now. We hear you. Okay, I'm good now. Okay, but I feel like starting a remote yeah, business prepared me for this moment right here. Um, the job that I just left, I got in trouble for working remotely last summer because I was new to the team. But ever since March, we were working from home. We hadn't been in the office at all, you know. And and that's when I saw the opportunity for me to just win because a lot more people are recognizing the the advantage of having a a digital um platform where they could sell their merchandise their and their services you know but particularly i work with music artists and i work with small businesses and publish authors to help them uh promote their products and services in this global economy we found ourselves in dope 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 so as far as like, you know, just getting through the day, especially because like I've been following you on social media for a few weeks now and it just like it just seems like music just like plays a big part into who you are. You think you could um speak it really on your does. It really, really does. Um so Alfred and I connected on Twitter when I was talking about um I think I posted a picture of a CD that I had in my car that I was listening to. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it was probably Ghostface, the Fishscale album. It was, yeah. And ah. I, was, I was talking about Good album. how... Good album. Love it. Yeah, like, I was talking about how, like, you know, and I always tweet about this, like, how to support artists. 
the proper way to stream is to, you know, buy the merch and the music directly from the artists on their website or Bandcamp or, you know, buying the music directly from the artist before you decide you want to stream it and, and basically think that you're doing something to support that artist and you're really not because with streaming platforms, artists make less than a penny per stream. Like, that's not, that's not a feasible um, way to live for an independent artist, right? So I always right. tell artists to get on Bandcamp or create your own online store where people can come and buy merch directly from you for a few reasons. Um, not, not just for the bottom line. Of course, the money is important, and you want to make sure that you make most of the sales you can make, right? Streaming takes away that potential to me. Like streaming is good for music discovery, but as far as like selling your music and building a brand, you need to be selling selling your merch and your music directly to artists. Uh, I mean, directly to your fan base. So, with that being said, it's like music artists also have access to the emails for the people that are buying merch from them and music from them. Right mm-hmm. now, these streaming platforms don't give artists that data. They're never going to give artists that data. They just exploit them, you know, for for um, financial gain. You know, the most streamed genre in the world on Spotify is hip hop. So how come our artists right. are not eating like they should? And how come how come an artist how come an OG has to start a GoFundMe to have a medical procedure done and and shit like that? You know, so I I frown right, upon right. this new age right. shit for that reason. You know. Me, I, I don't mind streaming because I buy a lot of physical copies, whether it's a CD, some vinyl, or even the digital download directly from the artist on Bandcamp. Any, yeah. Anything so that the artist is benefiting from me being a fan versus me going and paying iTunes, Spotify, Tidal, and, you know, these streaming platforms are the ones getting all the bread and not the artist. Yeah, that's that's true because it's only. Well, let me ask you a question. Yeah, go ahead, QG. All right. Um, in in, um, conjunction with Nas, who just released King's Disease, I looked at his uh, website, IsaiahJones.com. He has so to go along with what you said, the uh, King's Disease Red Two LP for twenty five ninety nine. He's selling the CD for $12.99. He's selling the cassette for 11 And he's selling the digital album for $9.99. In conjunction with what you just said, how do you feel about that for an artist of Nas's stature? Um, for one, I think his prices are pretty reasonable. Like, I know independent mm-hmm. artists that are selling projects for $300 and more, you know, mm-hmm. just so they can survive. You right. know what I'm saying? A good case study of that is my brother, right. Makami. He's He's a Haitian um, MC, very very talented MC from Haiti, born in um, born in Haiti, raised in Newark, New Jersey, um, and I came across him through working with Griselda, Griselda Records. I designed um, one of their earlier websites and online stores before they got the deal with Shady, and um, that's like family to me. So I I came across Mock through working with them and. At the time, Mock had he's he's a gifted uh he's a gifted graphic artist, and he illustrated um an image of Michelle Benoit, who who was um the first 
lady of Haiti. She was married to Baby Doc, right? And they did a lot of evil things. They they robbed mm-hmm. Haiti blind. So Mock decided to um, illustrate this image of her, this very famous image of her, and he gave the painting a name. It ended up becoming a soundtrack for... Um, the music ended up becoming a soundtrack for that painting. And that album is called Haitian Body Odor, which um, carries the short mm. acronym for HBO, right? Um, mm-hmm. So when he was promoting the album, I was sending out newsletters for Griselda, and I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. How am I supposed to promote this $300 CD that's not for sale on our website? You can only DM him to get it. So I'm like, I'm really confused because right. in my mind, when I design campaigns, especially newsletters, my approach is very formulaic. It's like, you know, you have your main promotional image, you have your promotional messaging, and then you have your call to action. So when I got to the call to action, which is usually a button, you know, click here to download. I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? Send people to his Instagram DM? What if they don't have Instagram? Like... That shit really fucked my head Right, up. exactly. How are they going to get access? Right. right so he was charging. He had a limited edition. Um, he had a limited amount of physical CDs. And he was selling for $300 each. Oh, and when goodness. I did the math, I was like, yo, like that's 60 grand. Based on the number of copies he had and how much he was charging. And I told him, like, listen, you know, I'm a, I collect art. I collect music. But I'm also a mother of a school-age child and it's back to school season like I can't see myself spending $300 on a CD so um, Mock invited me to a, a fashion event and he gave me the pack which was the CD, a candle rolling papers and um, matches and everything was well branded to match the artwork on the album so um this is not the first time that's been done. Nipsey Hussle had the hundred dollar mixtape. That I remember. You know. Yes, so, I remember that. Um, I know that. Yeah. I remember that. Most yep. definitely. R.I.P. Nip. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah. Nip. Neighborhood Nip. Yeah. And then you got um, you got Ryan Leslie who started uh, this company called um. I can't remember what it's called right now. It's something phone, and. Anybody who signs up will get assigned a phone number that they can put in their social media profile. So people can like call you on that number and hear what you're offering right now. You can text people from that number, you know? So there's a lot of functionality Mm. that this service offers, but Ryan Leslie is one of the pioneers of like, you know, artists being able to remarket themselves to their fans. Like, he despised iTunes because they didn't give him the information on his fans. They kept all the data. So he created a service where he can text message his fans. Like, every once in a while, I get a text message that feels like it's from Ryan, but I know it's not him behind it. But that's the um, type of service that Mm -hmm. he created. Kind of smart, dude. Mm -hmm. I like like that idea. Tasha, let me ask you a question. There's actually a bunch of them. Let yeah. me ask. Yeah, let me ask you a question. So, as far as like these artists, because and obviously it's even I, I understand like it's even worse now because you know um, with all the restrictions going on, nobody can tour, nobody can have shows, this, that, and a third. So I, I believe like there's merch, still money going around. 
right but i believe merch is like the is like the the main the main source of income at, at a time like this but well, like as a you have everything you have all of the components outside of a physical show you got the versus battles um, well, that's that true. artists are using to come up on um DMX and Snoop had their battle. Then the very next day, I believe both of them were selling merch. Uh, Jada yeah, so was selling merch. He Jada got a whole web. Yeah, jadadrunk.com. So um, there's the versus battle. There's uh, artists getting placements on um, playlists on these streaming platforms. So there's that for music discovery, which is really important. Um, like you said, you have the merch, you have the clothing, you have the accessories and the actual physical copies of the music that you want to sell. But I'm also seeing a lot more artists doing um, drops and features and things like that for arm and a leg. But they have people that they have to support and feed as well. Right. So um, I didn't I, didn't, I cut off your question, but um, I'll let you finish. No, all good. So I was going to ask you because I. Like I said, I, from seeing your social media, like one thing that like made us click on, on online was our love for just physical music. And I know you said earlier when Mock had a three hundred dollar uh, physical CD, like you 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 like paused and hesitated because again you have your responsibilities, you have uh, um, people you have to support, and we all do. So that mm-hmm. just begs the question: Do you think like these artists are shooting themselves in the foot when like you know Nipsey had his hundred dollar mixtape? I believe, like, Wu-Tang had, like, an album that was only, like, 10 copies in existence for, like, a grand. So, like, mm-hmm. like, do you think, like, these artists shoot themselves in the foot, or do you think, like, there's a market of somebody who's willing to, you know, pay those prices because they, they believe in the music or they believe in the artists that much? Right. So what these artists are doing is targeting what's called super fans. So these are people that follow them, buy all their music and things like that. So they're finding ways to reach that type of consumer more directly. And there's definitely a lane for that, Mm -hmm. you know, because if I'm a fan of an artist and they're selling a CD for $10 and then right next to it, they have a a package that includes like a varsity jacket and the autographed CD for like $500, which one do you think I'm going to buy as a fan? But if I'm a super fan and I have disposable income and I'm not struggling, then I might buy that $500 package. So as an artist, it's important to create different um, offerings for people with all types of financial backgrounds. And that's what I I keep in mind when I design online stores for people. I'm like, you should have a very low-end item that you're selling and also high-end items for, for different price points. And like that, that brings me back to uh, time because um, for the longest, you know, some artists, depending on what album, like if, if what the occasion was, um, some some albums will get released with like a, a deluxe edition with like a second bonus disc. And like I was always a fan personally of deluxe albums only because, you know, you get extra songs or maybe like a couple of remixes or who knows what you would get on that second disc or like maybe the artwork was different. Or even like these re-releases, like shout outs to Get On Down, because Get On Down has some like really dope stuff. And that that's actually it's funny you mentioned uh, the work you do with Griselda. That's where I get like a lot of Benny the Butcher stuff from is from Get On Down. And um they when they re-release stuff, oh my god, like I still can't get over that um that uh Liquid Swords chess box set like makes you oh, like, yeah. like they, 
like it that was so dope. That was yeah, that, dope. that was dope. And like, there's there really is a market. I guess there really is a market for what's called a super fan because I don't think the casual fan is gonna pay seventy dollars for an album that was uh, released like thirty years ago, twenty five years ago. So mm-hmm. no, I, I definitely. It get really what you're depends saying. on the person, and you know, like I collect things too. I I got this. Uh, this Biggie box set for Re- the Ready to Die album, the remaster. Oh, the Ready to, oh, Ready to, to Die, die box set. Yeah, 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 I got, yeah, I got yeah, right, right. That was yeah, Oh I my goodness. Okay, that nice. came out last year for the anniversary yeah, in September. Yeah, yeah. For it, um, Fire. was pushing that. You know, um, the remastered version makes me weep inside because they definitely fooled with Machine Gun Funk. Like oh, yeah. oh, oh, see, my favorite song. They did. The they changed it. Yeah. I hate yeah, it. They, changed, like, they did. They messed it. There's two samples that are missing. And I was yeah. like, oh my goodness. Like, this hurts to listen to now. You know? Um, but it that does is hurt. why. It does oh, hurt. Shout out to your boy Alfred on the line because he was the one that said, oh, he sent me a picture. Like, oh, I got the CD. I said, can you please send me track number four so that I can hear the original OG version? Because this chorus right now hurts me. It's like nothing here, you know? It's funny you brought that up because uh, Peter Rosenberg on High 97, he has his own show and he did an interview with Mr. C. And they brought that up and he was telling Mr. C, oh, it sounds better. And I'm listening to it. I say, yo, you got your mind, Rosenberg. No, it does not sound better. The original was way better. Well, the reason why the reason why they chose to just remove the samples is to retain ownership of the music. That's what it was about. That's what that's what the approach with Bad Boy was about. You know, like for instance, Bad Boy Records, the the Hitmen sampled um, Isaac Hayes' "Walk On By." three different times in the same year for for three different uh, uh, debut solo albums. Once, um, Faith Evans, uh, one of her joints on there, and 112's first album. They pimped the hell out of that one sample. You know what I'm saying? So the ones that weren't cleared, the ones that weren't okay to use, they just removed them and released a remastered edition. You know, so those of us that have the OG version, they're not going to come to your house and take it from you. Well, anybody who need machine exactly. gun funk in the, anybody who need machine gun funk in its original entirety, you know, I got you. All you, all you got to do is just uh, listen to the podcast, give me a stream, I, I send you the song, no problem. A whole lot of gang shit. Let me just tell y'all, me and Alfred discovered we're both from New Orleans. Absolutely. Like, my family Third. is from 10th Ward. <laughs> Uh-oh. The third and to the tenth. Yeah. <laughs> My family is from the tenth ward, but I'm the first one born and raised in New York. You know what I'm saying? I was That's born cool. and raised in Mount Vernon, New Rochelle, Co-op City, Yonkers, Brooklyn. I've been all over New York. You know, nice. but we definitely discovered that our ancestors used to be kicking it back in the day. Probably to some good probably they probably so are you, to the so same are you marching in, you know? No doubt. Uh, oh yeah, that's. I mean, that's what. That's the theme. That's the anthem right there. So, are you? Are you with the cash money side, no limit side, or both? I fuck with all of them. You know, um, 
we get into these favorite discussions a lot. You know, people ask me my top five MCs. I'm like, yo, as soon as you ask me that question, my mind goes blank. Because I don't really be thinking about that. Like, oh, this person is in my top five or whatever. And I don't really like comparing artists or comparing one album by an artist to the next one. Because I just feel like that shit drives mm-hmm. me crazy. I see a lot of that on the timeline. Like, yo, one got to go. Pick one that got to go. I'm like, yo, I, my heart couldn't take it. Understandable. <laughs> Yo, um, for me, 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 yeah, I was I was not happy about the remastered version either because uh, of course I joke about y'all how Machine Gun Funk is my favorite specific track off Ready to Die, and when and I you heard it, be hardcore oh my god, off, off, talk about the gap the <laughs> oh, first of all he let off the song perfectly. This ain't Christopher I, Williams. This my song, dream yeah. man. <laughs> And then when I heard the book over it, of the remastered version, I just went like, wait, 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 wait. Just like Tasha pointed out, something is missing. And a I'm lot like, is missing. Is a lot. And I never caught it at first, how you explained it, because I'm like, I just, I just felt betrayed. <laughs> because I wanted to hear the entire. I'm glad you brought that up. I wanted to hear the entire. You guys want to hear something? What? You, you, What's you up, guys. Boss? You want to hear something? You could, you, you, you. There's a version of of Lottie Dottie without that version from A Taste of Honey that Slick Rick. They cut oh, that yeah. part out whenever they play it on the radio, and I got pissed. I was like, wait a minute, that's the, that's one of the main parts that <laughs> it's all because of you. I'm feeling sad. I'm like, how y'all cut yeah. that out, man? Well, one of the reasons why they they're cracking down on sampling right now is because a lot of these attorneys mm. are very tech savvy. You know, not to mention True. these um, websites where people cannot wait to be the first one to find out who used what sample when an album comes out. So it's just like we live in a different era where, you know, you got these attorneys going after producers for sampling their shit, right? And then there's so many, this argument is so layered and complex because I'm all for the ancestors. I'm like, listen, if you sample something without clearing it or reaching out to the original creator, then you're robbing our ancestors, right? Then you got Wu-Tang, you got RZA who reached out to Syl Johnson for uh, shame on a nigga and gave him enough money to get back on his feet. You know what I'm saying? Like, Syl Johnson, he does interviews to this day, and he'll tell the reporter, like, yo, you're sitting in the house that the Wu-Tang money built. You know what I mean? But mm. stories like RZA don't happen often. Why? That's because happening. a lot of these artists don't have the resources to clear the samples or the know-how. Right? Mm. So it puts it puts artists in a situation where um, a label that owns the publishing for the original track is like going after these struggling producers like for stealing the music meanwhile these labels have stolen the music from the artists the original artists so it's just it's just a really you know big daddy kane brought that up it is a messed up game big daddy kane brought it up in the song young gifted and black and at the time get out of here he has it didn't hit no way um Uh, yeah he got a song yeah wrote young gifted and black for nina simone back in the day i just produced a film on weldon that one best documentary um in two film festivals last year 
Oh, but he wrote to be young gift in a black for oh, Nina Simone. Right. He was her band leader. Shout out to Weldon Irvin. Rest on a, peace. Right. Shout out, yes indeed. On on the album, um, it's the Big Daddy thing. You know, Kane said the line where he was like, "You try to sue and try to fight us, you'll still be on the shelf with off right." We didn't sample songs that y'all put out. Where would y'all would have been? It's like trying to revive it. You know that what reminds I mean? like, me of Stetson Sonic. We didn't revive them, bring them back alive. Old Beach. Yeah, that's the Sonic. That's the Sonic real. made a song called Playing All That Jazz, where they were going at James Matume, who, who uh, uh, produced Juicy, the original to... Um, they produced Juicy Fruit, the original to Biggie's Juicy. And, yeah, you know, yeah. James Matume had a huge problem with sampling back in the day. To the point where Stetson Sonic made a track all about it. And then, um, you know, Rick James, he hated sampling until MC Hammer sampled Super Freak for Can't Touch This. <laughs> and that that bread helped Rick James get back on his feet. Then he said that did one for my appreciation of sampling. Yeah, he wasn't mad at that check. And no, hell no. That's what it came and- down to. Well, a lot of these artists, but I can understand why an artist like Rick James would frown upon sampling because he's a very talented um, musician. And, you know, Rick James, it took him a long time to really get on. You know, he used to tour a lot Absolutely. with different bands and um, um, different Canadian bands. He's from Buffalo, New York. So he was all over the place touring and it took him a long time to get on. And, and then finally, he did the... Um, he did the the Street Songs album in, in like two weeks, and that was the one that took off. But as a musician, as a singer, as a songwriter, he worked really hard to get his spot. So when you when you got these producers that are taking your your originals that you worked so hard to create, and they're chopping it up and screwing it, and they're not giving you credit, you like fuck this shit. <laughs> right. And it also it also it also brings me back to. Um, Biz Markie, his third his third album. Um, I forgot who he sampled. I guess it was like some band, and um, he got his album pulled. Yeah, that happens. And and you know what, Biz Markie is a very talented producer who didn't get a lot of credit for his um for his work. You know, a lot of a lot of other bigger name producers took credit for his shit. No, he didn't. You know, and I and I, and be I no hope, that he's, there was no I hope that he's doing better. Um, I believe he's struggling with diabetes right now. So yes, he is. Yes, yes, shout he out, is. shout he out is. to Biz. Biz, 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 is the only person I know that could make a song out of boogers. Yeah, you know who reminds me only of him? Biz. Only my man Biz could do that. You know Nobody. who reminds me of him a little bit? Ice JJ Fish. With oh, that, oh, no. with that oh, old oh, baby no. you. Oh, yeah. No, no Ice oh, JJ no. Fish. Oh, no. He turned a bad day good. Oh, and no. shout out to Jay Versace. <laughs> like Jay Versace is such a free spirit. I love to see Boldy Jane and Griselda Records embracing him as a producer. You know what I'm saying? Um, that that to me was really shocking. Nah, but no. dope as fuck. Like, um, the album talking about was it all samples cleared? No, all samples cleared was after. Uh, I need a haircut. Uh, he got sued by, by Gilbert no, O'Sullivan. That's that's who he got sued by. Porter. Okay. Oh, that, wow. that made him come out with that album because he was going through all the legal woes with that. So he's like, 
Yeah, that's yeah, another thing. Like, since I since I, I'm a music historian and I talk about sampling a lot, I try to only talk about samples that are cleared. Um, mm-hmm. I never want to sample snitch for so many reasons. It's very complex, and you know, I try to make sure anything that I'm talking about or any samples that I include are cleared. I've had producers block me on social media because they don't like that I shared the original. I don't tag them. I don't even mention their goddamn mm. song. I celebrate the original and they people start tagging them and they get offended because of that shit, you know? And I'm like, listen, I had a producer tell me, um, because I had credited him as the producer, as a co-producer with somebody else, because that's how the credits were listed. And he responded to me, and he was like, no, it was actually produced by me. And in my mind, I said, no, actually, it was fucking produced by New Birth, but okay, go off, sis. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All you did was loop the original, and now you're the fucking almighty producer. No, you're okay. So let me ask you a question. So when you when you're working and advising with these artists, right? And they they and obviously you guys talk about like song ideas. They probably tell you your vision of what they're trying to accomplish or what they want to do or what direction they want to go in. Ha, has like have you like had to warn any of the artists you worked with about about um potential issues with property? samples? Yeah. Um, well, the, the type of role you described is more A&R. I'm not really an A&R, though. Like, I focus more on, like, brand development and promotion. But, you know, um, building a brand, uh, to me, like, for instance, I have this client that I'm working with now, and we're building his brand from the ground up. And there, you know, when I approached some potential investors, they were immediately concerned about the licensing portion of the images being used. You know, which is a legit concern. And I expressed to the client, like, listen, you know, maybe you should take another approach with this imagery. Um, instead of using album covers, why not use original artwork that you had somebody create? Because that gives it a, a very um, unique and original twist, minus all of those damn licensing issues. Gotcha. It makes sense. Yeah, because the last thing you want is, is a lawsuit. One, one bad lawsuit. And uh, your your whole your whole operation could come down. So yeah, well, it depends. Um, sometimes those lawsuits are good publicity for the struggling artists or producers, you know. And then a lot of the times it, it could jam you up, you know. I know a producer that gets sued regularly, but he strongly believes that stealing beats is part of the culture. That's what the culture was built on. So that's how he moves. That's true. A lot of a lot of a lot of times back in the days. And, and um, Mac, you can attest to this as well. You know, we've heard about producers stealing beats, stealing samples. I could give you an example. The controversy involving Tupac where you hear the same beat on Street Dreams, but then it's oh, the same man. beat for All Eyes on Me. Oh, me. And, and listening to both of them, you're like, wait a minute. That's identical. The same yeah. Uh, I know exactly who did that There's original, no too. I yeah. think her name is Linda something. I know exactly what you're talking about. She has a tank top on in the album cover, right. a face full of makeup. Yes. Yeah, that's a dope-ass sample, too. And it's a great sample. It's actually a great sample. I, at one point, I thought, there was, I thought someone was going to try to blend both songs together. <laughs> yeah, that would have been dope. I'm a huge fan of Minnie Ripperton, and... 
You know, oh, I was Lord. happy to see like some of her music being used in these uh, commercials. Yes, Chocolate oh, yeah. definitely got a hold of For her. Sure, samples. she's great. But I really do despise. Oh, did they get a hold of her samples? Oh my God! I really despise these estates of deceased artists, like just handing off music. Like Prince's estate, are they out of their minds? Just handing music over to like these credit card companies or. Hearing Marvin Gaye right. on a Easter Bunny commercial or Reese's Pieces, like to me yeah. that shit whack. You know what I mean? I don't but usually, like the families or yeah, whoever's running the that. estate, they're not really in tune with the culture. They're just in tune with the bottom line, the money. And and that that and it's funny you say that because I've I've gone on record on this podcast several times, you know, and uh, been mad at, at Afini Shakur, may God rest his soul, when she when she gave her Tupac's catalog to Eminem, and I felt like he he destroyed it. But that's crazy. Oh, when he did the unreleased album and sh- and what have you. Yeah, um, like yeah, like yeah, I know like, what you're talking about. Lo- loyal to the game. I feel like yeah. That's there not. There were some that, joints on there, like Hennessy. That's my joint. Like. Poe Nigga Blues is the only is the only song I could really like rock to. I mean, I give the I give him credit for what he tried to do though, because to have Tupac say G Unit when G Unit didn't come until well after Pac had died, like just 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 messing around. I didn't like that words. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I, that's ridiculous. I hated that. Crazy. And I, a lot of these artists are obsessed with deceased artists. Um, it's like it's like America's obsession with prison culture. Oh.
and graduations and all that stuff, you and 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 cookouts, you're gonna be hearing that song even more after the man is gone. You wanna hear you wanna hear something now? I bet you his music is playing right now because they just got news that he got attacked, he got attacked in, jail. in jail. Yep. Oh my goodness. You would yeah. think he wouldn't be in general population, but that's a they said they that said he was laying in the bed and one of the other prisoners fan. came in and beat him up. As wow. a fan, that yeah. makes it very complicated for me. Like even learning the things that, you know, that were um, said about Michael Jackson, it makes me hard. It makes it hard for me to enjoy the music, knowing that this person is a predator. Like, even working with music artists now, like, I'm also conflicted and troubled about some of the artists that I've even dated in the past because of the, the, their worldview and their values and the type of music they make. It doesn't represent. It doesn't represent like what I'm about, you know. So um, that's that's tricky as a as a music fan, you know. How do you separate an artist? I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Person from their body. Right. Body. I was just about to ask you that question of dealing with certain artists when they say certain things. Are you mm-hmm. able to just look for it as enter, or if they tell you, "Nah, this is this this is." my life this is what i do or if they come around and say oh well you know i'm just i'm just making music this is not who i really am like what do you what do you mostly prefer it's it's a very complicated issue and i've had this discussion with many artists um this one guy he raps about you know um pimping and i told him i could never like stand by his music because i'm on the front lines i'm an activist and i'm trying to help young girls get out of underage prostitution and he's glorifying pimping you know um and his music so right to, to me it's just ignorant of a larger social issue that we have in our communities but at the same time he tells me that his music is more cinematic than anything it's inspired by the films that he's watched so who am i to question mm. his inspiration oh that's true and that that, that goes well you know what let me let me let me throw Candyman. We'll get to it, but she yeah, just yeah, got this question. I don't know if you guys remember. I don't know if you guys remember an interview involving Easy E and Jada Pinkett Smith. No, where, I'm not familiar. Uh, well, yeah, they were on this platform. It was just Easy E's lyrics. We know Easy E songs. The stuff that he would say about women and Jada Pinkett. You know, she was like, well, I want him to say something nice about sisters. And he, he was like, I do say nice things about sisters, but not on records. You know what I'm saying? She wanted him to clean up his image a little bit and come up with songs that were more uplifting. However, I look at it like, what, would, would Easy e would he have had the legacy and the success that he does now if he did do records like that and then come out with those crazy lyrics and all that crazy stuff that he was saying that we know him for, how do y'all feel about that? Y'all felt Easy e should have stayed what he was doing, this is who he is, this is what we know him for with the songs today? Or if he cleaned up his image and came out with those type of uplifting records and stuff like that, how do y'all feel about that? Well, that's the thing. You can't change the essence of a person or an artist, but you can change what mm-hmm. you listen to. Uh, right. Agreed. Well, 
Well, that's true, but let's put it, let's put a spin on it like this, right? And this is just from my mind of listening to so much music throughout my life, and um, you know, and just collecting records and just listening to everything. I feel like some artists, right? They start off early, like they'll have like one hit, right, or one thing that they're known for, and because that formula works so much, they continue right. to just make a beeline for it and don't and don't and they don't get off the path like for example too short too short for as long as we've known him with the exception of the ghetto every other single big song he had was about what was about se- his, his sexual conquest yeah, with women. Holes, yeah. Yeah. yeah now if too like like too short in my opinion he's famous for two things talking about pimping and saying the word bitch over and over and over and over and over. Now, if he was to come out with some totally different type of record, it's not going to sell cuz that's not we're going to we're going to think he's not authentic. We're going to think he's fake. Like oh well, no. That's the thing as an artist, like if that's truly who you are, you have to embrace that duality as a person, as an artist, but you know, a person like Too Short or Easy E, that's their brand image. Is per se um, is connected to degrading women. Or like, or like another example that I think of when when asked that question is Pusha T and QG and To. We've had this conversation plenty of times in the past off air. Pusha T, in my opinion, he can't escape drug talk. No matter how like you can listen to a million different Pusha T records, and and the guy's a talented rapper. Like I like his music, but you know if if I was to hear anything but drug talk. Very I, would be, I would be I would be thrown off. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I have beef with Pusha T. I didn't like how he used uh, the photo of Whitney's hotel room as the cover. Like I feel like as an yeah, artist, I didn't like that. Yeah, that was a bad know, idea. Yeah, like as an artist, you, you push boundaries, but you got to know when something is just like very, very inappropriate, below the belt, disrespectful to the family. You know, it's just certain things that it should be off limits. I, I, I agree. Um, T.O., what's, what's your opinion on, on all of this? Because you, you've been quiet for a little bit. Nah, I just, just mostly agree. Like, the, the whole thing with the sampling, um, I actually wanted to add on when y'all was talking about, like, how sampling was troubling back then, especially we talked about this uh, gentleman about Lord Tariq and Peter Guns. How big of a hit was, uh, what was that Deja song? Vu. Deja Vu. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. you start to find out that it wasn't really cleared, and Steely Dan was upset, and he wanted, like, the whole entire 100% publishing. I'm like, damn! Yeah, I remember and this, that. And this song was played every day. This was, like, the 1998 summer anthem. As a matter of fact, I'm not even going to say summer anthem. This was more of a New York anthem, if anything. Yeah. New York It was heart, a New York anthem. Love Absolutely. Love for one. <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with giving love to New York. Is that you know you represent one borough? That's your first blood right off the bat. Just like me, I, I'm Brooklyn all the way, but I yeah, got love yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, 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 you Harlem, you Harlem. Stop. Don't believe him, Tasha. Don't believe him. I'm also managing the <laughs> legacy. Speaking of Brooklyn, I'm also managing the legacy campaign for half a mil. It's oh, the wow. 20th anniversary oh. of his uh, Million album that he released independently. And well, Dom Kennedy before. and Hit Boy have been using his name for their production duo, Half a Mill. Why would you name wow. your production duo after a legend? Why would you do that? I have a huge problem with that. 
you don't that you don't you, my you, boy. You don't think that that's paying homage or or, or maybe they're but... not in, they're not intentionally paying homage at all. And I know this because I started the legacy campaign for half a mil last summer. I haven't uh-huh. heard a peep from them. I haven't gotten any support from them. So that's I know it's not bad. paying homage or whatever you said. It's bullshit. <laughs> they're shark biters. I said it. <laughs> shark Nas, biters. Speaking of Nas, like he just put out King's Disease with Hit Boy producing it. He should have been called Hit Boy on that shit. Half a mil was his man. Yeah. Because he knew half so a mil. So our fallen soldiers don't get the same the amount of love yeah. and respect and upliftment as they would have when they were alive. I don't appreciate first that. First time, yeah, first time I heard half a mil was on the pieces of man. First time I heard half a mil. And I loved his yeah. style from then. He was repping hard, man. No, yeah. AZ really put him on. Quiet money. He did. Quiet money. Shout out, to, shout, out to, shout out to Sosa. Shout out to Sosa. Yeah, Sosa oh, yeah, got a new album coming. Yeah. Do or Die Part yeah. 2 is coming. Oh, he got a new album? Hold on. Oh, he got a new album? Oh. It's coming. Yeah, where, 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 where you been, T.O.? Oh, I, I, I know he was working on something. I didn't know it was really a Do or, do or Die 2. I'm from the truck yeah, jewel ever, so fuck whoever. Chess play for the cheddar. Only trust two letters. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Shout out, shout outs for uh, the firm getting back together for a song, huh? Oh my God! Shout out to Yo. Cormega. That's, 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 that's that, that was, was my I, favorite. That's verse. the one that I was shocked out when I saw Mega. I was like, Mega is here. <laughs> wow. That was my favorite verse. And, and I enjoyed and, that verse. Mega went the, off on that. And that's the original firm. No disrespect to Nature, but nah, that's the original nah, no, firm. no, damn, no, no. Everybody done forgot about Nature. No love for Nature. Nah, we ain't that's forget my, about we, him. We ain't forget about no Nature. Boy, shout, out about nature. <laughs> shout out to Nature. Shout out to Nature. <laughs> shout out to Nature. Shout out to Nature. It's gonna take time. Ah, Nature shines. Do you? Do you yeah, believe yeah. when I tell you this? I see. Nothing I can do for me. Small talk. Shout shout out uh, shout out I shout out to nature. nature. I I always fuck with firm yeah. family. That was my yeah. favorite track on that album, believe it or not. But oh, um, yeah. I love Familiar was my favorite, but no offense, it was more of the mega version. I like World Famous with uh, half a mil half. opening up. You could catch the live performance on Arsenio Hall. You got the whole firm on the stage performing that joint. I forgot he had a. I forgot his show lasted that long to the nineties. It did. Yeah, it did. It did. It did. I remember. You I remember too. seeing him on the Apollo when they did affirmative action. Yes. I remember they did affirmative action. The Apollo when Steve Harvey was hosting. That's when. That's when Steve had that two pick come out. With that damn two pick. Yeah, but but that goes show you how powerful errors are. Like you had the mafioso thing. They came out in that mob car. They had on. We talk about like that. They was mobbed out when they came out. Man, when you actually look at that specific year, everything was mafioso. Especially like, even after G Raps four, five, six album, you had Reasonable Doubt. That was a mafioso type album. The first oh, yeah. mafioso type album. Yeah. And so yeah. that particular. It was written. Yeah. It was written mafioso type. Yeah. Life after death. It was, was mafioso going with the time. Really yeah. mafioso type. Only built for Cuban links, mafioso. Yeah, yeah life after death. Right, yeah. If you look at it, Wu Gambinos, the commission, the firm, you had all these teams, all these people named after these things. So yeah, it was it was it was running with it. Every- Reasonable doubt was mafioso too. At least he tried to be on a whole I get a whole on the album cover. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you want uh, Life After Death on the album cover? Yeah. Life. Yeah. Nas and uh, what's that? Street Dreams, the video? With the pink the pink. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, they did, where they did Casino. Yeah, where they did Casino, where they were doing the Casino thing. Yeah, that was dope. Hell. Yo, yo, even even Master P tried to get on that Mafioso flow at one point. Like, it's, it's crazy. Oh, well, that's, you gotta that's, you gotta keep up with the times and keep reinventing yourself. And and that's and and we talked about this on the episode, gentlemen, when we was talking about how like I think it was on disappointed albums when we mentioned how people follow a specific formula. Because once you see that specific trend is hot, then a lot of artists. Yo, let, let's say this. Imagine Karis One doing a mafioso type album. Will let's, not work. Exactly. No, and, that's well, not his brand image. And and like we've talked about the brand image, like KRS One is known for what Alpha can't stand preaching. You know, he preaches in his rap. Listen, I mess, I mess with that man uh, up until nineteen ninety seven. All right, give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also why I think that's also why Chris really tried to. That's why he did Return of the Boom Bap and tried to remind people. This is what rap is about. This is what hip hop hip hop is about. It's about technique. It's about skills. It's how you look, how you dress, or whatever. He tried. All I really need a is a court. friend. Oh, I, I remember that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. And, and even That's on and even on, and even on Return of the Boom Bap, years later, he was still talking about the. He reminded everybody the P is still free. Unfortunately. The beat the was supposed to drop right there. Oh, funny y'all mentioned that. We're actually coming up on another anniversary of Scott LaRock. Oh, yeah. Yo, sh- yo R.I.P. Scott LaRock. Yeah. yeah. His son, his son yeah, has been holding down up. his legacy real hard. Absolutely. Shout out to Scott LaRock Jr. You, you know, you know what's yeah, funny? Yes. And and I had this conversation, I think, with the fellas like maybe a year ago before we ever had this podcast. But I was hearing from some people that they think like Scott LaRock Jr. is bitter. Like he don't He like, is bitter. Like but some but, but he's I, very I, upset. I can understand why he's upset because if the if the crew that was running with my pops was the reason because so so for those of y'all who don't know um that are listening to this. The story goes, D-Nice, who uh, was part of Boogie Down Productions, got into a fight over a girl. Uh, he called Scott LaRock, who was a social worker, as his day job to come defuse it. He went over there, he mediated, and uh, on the way out um, of the building, uh, they fired shots, hit Scott LaRock in the neck, and he later died. And um, That's insane. Yeah, it, it's, it's tragic. And all he went to do was just go mediate a dispute. So... So that happens, and Scott LaRock Jr., in an interview that he had on um, ThisIs50.com way back when, was like, yo, he's he's mad because um, the crew that, that, his fa- that his father was running with essentially got him killed, which I wouldn't go that far and say, but, you know, they, they played a hand in his death because had, had D-Nice never went over there and be like, yo, I, I'm in an issue with these guys, can you help me? He would have never went over there. And then he says, like, KRS-One... He said the only person that came back to reach out to him and look for him was D-Nice. KRS-One never... Matter of fact, yeah. he said he was, he was backstage with KRS-One in the Barclays Center. KRS-One... Uh, and this is only what Scott LaRock Jr. said. He said he treated him like a fan. So, 
Yeah. I mean, he has a right to be upset if all of that is true. Yeah, definitely. That's his father. You know what I'm saying? That's his father that he missed out on experiences with because of this stupid ass hip hop shit. I'd be pissed off too. And then the worst part in that in that same in that same interview, uh, he went on to say, and and some people said that he was wrong for saying it, but he said his father had a bad judge of character. Because he was like, and he was he he also went on to say, and I quote, just because somebody's a, a talented producer or a dope rapper doesn't mean they're good people. And I'm just and and to, as far as my knowledge, KRS One wasn't even there when that whole thing happened. So, but also I, I can understand because you know there's there's a story of KRS One didn't want to go to the hospital when uh, Scott LaRock died because according to him he didn't want to see his best friend like that and all types of stuff. So. I mean, it's it's sad, but shout out to Scott. Yeah, I mean, it also goes with NWA. It also goes with NWA. A lot of the members didn't go to Easy. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Ella was the only one that was there. I just want to shout out my sister Dee Barnes, who is a journalist. Very talented journalist. I just want to uplift her. Whenever the NWA conversation comes up i always have to uplift sister d bonds pieces of course oh yeah unfortunate what happened to her yeah Yeah. i didn't like that it was she's a warrior though very unfortunate she's a warrior though oh yeah she's shining now very strong very strong shout out to d bonds absolutely shout out to d bonds most definitely but uh, as as we're approaching uh, um as we're approaching the turns in this uh in this conversation though like it's, it's, it's funny because it's like this conversation we have it now, like a lot of people like don't like as far as giving uh, giving these artists flowers while they're alive, you know, and, and all this other type of stuff. Like a lot, of, a lot of people really don't, you know, I feel like when you have a conversation with people who claim they're uh, they're hip hop heads, they only look at like just the music. They don't look at like anything in the background. You know what I mean? Like they don't they don't look at like backstories or why like you know what I mean? They don't analyze they don't try to find right. out why why this happened the way it did. They just take it for what it is and they're like, oh uh, yeah, this song is better because this, this, that, and the third or the beat is better. Like I don't the know, internet like on, on, changed my life as a music consumer because I used to be in my mom's living room listening to the Iowa stereo speakers and there was no real internet outside of dial-up. I couldn't impulsively look up things I was curious about. You know, now I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, did you hear that snare? Yeah. I'm, I'm the same way as far as instrumentation goes. Like, like it's just... Like, and then that, that, that's another reason why I collect the physical music. Because, again, a lot of times in the booklet, you're going to get sample credits and who produced it and all that good, and all that good stuff as well. Absolutely. You want right. to know the background of what led to the creation of an album. I'm glad you brought up that 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 segment there because one song instantly popped into my head that y'all were just discussing about as far as just listening to it and not understanding the lyrics, not knowing that. Bobby Schmurder thing. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. What was he doing and doing all that stuff? People dancing. But are you really listening to what he was saying? They use those same lyrics and same words to go back get them. 
That's true. Yeah, it's true. And he's not the only one because uh, even though they're fighting. Plenty of and that's an interesting that's an interesting comment because a lot of people, they'll take a song and, you know, like like C Murder, for example, even though they're trying to get him out now. When he got convicted, the the prosecution read his song lyrics. And they, they read oh, that they, they read yeah, his they song did. lyrics like it was an essay. Yes, they did. That's crazy how yes, they, they do did. that. And he's not the only one. Um, shout outs oh, to Mac. Yeah. Shout outs to Mac from No Limit Records as well. Um, who's who's doing thirty years for a manslaughter charge. Oh, boy. And um yeah, when when he got convicted too, they they read they just read lyrics to lyrics. some of his songs. And then they, they picked the worst possible songs that they could. Knowing that, uh, of course, and I hate to, I hate, I hate to play the race card, but you know this is America in 2020. But yeah, it's systemic racism. That's yeah, what like it you, is. you have a young, you have a young black kid in his 20s. He made a couple of songs that that might have had murder, murder, kill, kill in them, and and you use that to, to 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 get a conviction when that's not all what his entire catalog is. Right. Very selective. Very very selective. Yeah, politicians. Politicians did the same thing. You saw. You guys know what Dan Quell was trying to do. Andrew Park and Ice T by name about cop killer and Pop, lyrics. That yeah, Pop man. Talking about during his case. Oh, they was even going after Tupac. Now, with what we're talking, even on the eve of a, of a convention with the Democrats and the Republicans, now you got Republicans fighting Cardi B lyrics. <laughs> yo, let me tell you <laughs> something. Come on I now. I look back and laugh. I was like, what are y'all yo, doing? I, yo, I'm going to be the first to admit I'm not a Cardi B fan, nor Nicki or Megan Thee Stallion fan. I'm sorry. But that's the last thing y'all want to worry about is Cardi B? Like, 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 like let's get this straight. Going like, on in talk, the world. That's what uh, you guys look at. Y'all talking about her lyrics, but you already got no disrespect. I don't care about your Trump supporters. The first lady went through that type of uh, stuff when she was, you know, doing those new type photos. So that's no different. And Cardi B we... brought that. No, exactly. Cardi B defended this. So she let me tell you something. Like you talk about. Let me tell you something. Cardi B, I, like I said, I'm not a Cardi B fan as far as music, but when it comes to defending herself, yo, she she wastes no time. Oh, that, that's that. Be sure as hell, man. She's from the Bronx, y'all. But you know, I don't. I don't care if she does trash, uh, trash music, in my opinion. But she will <laughs> let you know, bro. <laughs> it is the funniest thing, and she be having those quick clapbacks, and they can't do crap about it. They pop. Once, once she, and you notice how... once she mentioned, once she mentioned Melania in the new photos and stuff, they ain't say anything since. But isn't it funny? Isn't it funny how things change? Look, you got this. You know. If they were to ever be called out in any platform, record about it. Let me give you all an example. With you, you guys remember when Harry Belafonte said some things about Jay Z, how Jay Z oh, and Beyonce should use their power for better, and, and and they haven't used their voice in the black community. Yeah, I remember. You know, Jay Z actually mentioned Belafonte by name on the record. <laughs> I remember that. No, I believe it. I believe it. I honestly, I, I hate politics for one. I hate it because it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah you have Jay Z and Beyonce um, fueling the movement, funding the movement, which is great. But then there's also, I mean, everybody has their role in the revolution, correct? 
So Correct. it's like, yeah, Jay-Z and, and his people, Correct. they they're funding it, but there's so many people on the front lines every single day that be fighting for this stuff. You know, and honestly, it's it's what you Correct. should be doing anyway as a person that's black, brown, or poor in this type of country that we live in. Like, I hate politics. You know, you got you, the, people fall over the most charismatic presidents that we've had and some of the most detrimental policies come out of these um, um, presidencies. You know what I'm saying? So it's not... I don't, I don't buy into it personally, like not on the national level, but I do engage in local politics, you know, because that's what's really important when you walk outside where you live. Yes, it's, it's, it's definitely important for us to have the right president, but it's also important for us to have the right local candidates that are going to vouch for that school on the corner of your, your block or, or whatever, affordable housing. Um, quality health care. That's important I on a this um, local and state level. Mm-hmm. I pose this question to all of you guys. Do you guys feel do you guys feel that it's more better for, for a hip-hop artist to express themselves or do an interview? For example, we see Jay Cole out there. Yeah. Like, do you do you guys feel that it's better for, for an artist? You can use any artist. Do you think it's better for artists expressing the issues or being out there personally? Because we know we know the power that they have there for the figure. Which one do you prefer, or which one do you feel has more of an impact? Making a record or actually being out there? I'm gonna say both. Both are both are oh. equally important. But I think being out there, being out there in the community and doing the work is just as important. I, I, th- I think it depends on, I think it depends on the, the individual. And I, and I, I, and I, I was going to say the same thing. And I, and I'll tell you, and I'll, ex- I'll elaborate what I mean by that. When I say that, like, and this goes back, and, and I know we're, we're a hip hop podcast, but I hate to bring sports into it, but it goes back to what Michael Jordan said on The Last Dance. Not everybody, not everybody can either a. Not everybody can be an activist, and not everybody wants to be an activist. You, you know what I you mean? You don't have to be an activist. That's why I mentioned that everybody right. has their role in the revolution. Right. When no. I, I, when I first started fighting for the liberation movement, like I was on the front lines and I was organizing. But now that I have a child, I can't risk my freedom every time that I am yeah. on the front lines. So I shifted my support to more digital. Right. No, and I and I get that, but but what I mean by that is like for example, J. Cole. So we see J. Cole on the front lines, right? But in order to be out there with amongst the protesters and like it goes back to what you said, like you can't risk your freedom. It takes a certain level of character. Not saying that you don't have the character, because you have you have great justified reasons to not be out there. But let's say somebody who doesn't have any kids is not married, you know, is out there. Like it take like me for example, I tell people all the time, like I don't have the heart to go out there and possibly risk getting arrested and pepper sprayed and whatnot to for the cause. I will support the cause. I'll make a donation monetarily right. for the cause. That's your role in the revolution. Even if you sign a petition online, that's going to mm-hmm. go to a state legislator or a Congress member. That's your role in the revolution. A lot of us are too oppressed to be on the front lines. We're tired, you know? But if you can sign a petition or you can make a donation 
or you can empower your, your next door neighbor's child to be all they can be. That's your role in the revolution. Like, and, and, and like I said, it just, it just takes a certain, it just takes a certain individual to, I feel, to, to, uh, to be out there. But T.O., what's, what's your opinion? I know you said you, you, um, you share the same opinion as me, but can you further elaborate? Maybe you might have a slightly different viewpoint. I, I was saying that because I, I figure that depends on who, especially when it comes to certain musicians. Like, say for instance, if I see Rick, I, it's, it's hard for me to imagine Rick Ross being on the front line. Like, someone like J. Cole, I could imagine. Because J. Cole talks about different issues in his music. So I wouldn't be surprised. Common, another one. He is very heavy uh, being an activist, and, you know, he will touch on certain issues in types of his songs. I don't see Rick Ross or anyone, like like you said, Al, it depends on a specific individual. Certain people I, I sort of expect to be out there. I, I, I did expect Cole to be out there, no, no, to be honest, somewhere, and at least he didn't broadcast it. Someone just took a picture of that, it. And that's but true. Nobody knew J. Cole was out there until somebody posted a picture on Twitter, yep. Same thing with, uh, you know, Nick Cannon, even though he's going through his his uh, shares of uh, issues, too, at the moment. And, you know, he's, 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 he's woke. You can say he's woke. Kendrick, Kendrick was out there, but not broadcasted. So when you see people like the Baby or maybe Rick Ross or anyone broadcasting it like, yeah, I did it, I'm not taking them seriously. I'm sorry. Because I feel like, you did it, but are you doing it for show? Because sometimes when I look at their specific lyrics and music, I feel like it's for show. No, I, I get that because they don't they don't discuss that content in their music. So how could you take them seriously when they go to action? I get it. For someone who talks about uh, Pop It Molly's or uh, Now I'm Sweating or whatever, I don't take that seriously. So that's why it also depends on which person will talk me. I'm comparing it based on which artists like to talk about issues in their music. So like I mentioned, people like J. Cole or Common. Common is a conscious rapper. I don't expect everybody else to really be out there in the front lines. That's it. No, I, I, absolutely. I, well, I, completely... I feel like if your music doesn't reflect the um, liberation movement, at least in your interviews as an artist, or in your community, you should definitely be addressing the problems that are happening around you. You know, like, for instance, Griselda Records, these artists, they go into their communities and they volunteer. They were handing out food and toiletries when this COVID thing first started happening. Not to mention around the holidays every year, they're handing out food to families in, in Buffalo. You know, that's really important. Like, I don't give a damn what the music is about. What the hell are you doing for your people? That's what's most important to me. Yeah. And um, before we before we uh, move on in the conversation, because we keep bringing up Griselda Records, uh, R.I.P. DJ Shea. Um, yes. That, that, yes. That man, that man um, I've seen a, a, a quite, before he died, I, I, I was, I was uh, on to him, and that man was uh, legendary out in Buffalo. So shout outs to him. A lot of people say he was uh, the DJ screw of Buffalo, which that's, I mean, you know, that's 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 high praise. So he's amazing. Oh my gosh, he produced Crowns for Kings. He produced um, Jackpot, two two Benny joints that are my favorites. Like I can't, I can't believe Shay is not here. Rest in peace, Shay, and pray for yeah, yeah, all crazy. of upstate New York. 
yeah, but um, no, nah, most mo- most definitely, and um, nah, that he, I, I'll be the first one to say when I heard he passed, I was like, damn, that's a real, that's a real loss, that's a that's a real big loss. That's that's crazy, man. Like you said, shout out to upstate New York, and it's right. And Definitely, it's Rochester, it's, Buffalo, Niagara Falls. You and know, it's cra- he put a lot of people on. And and it's crazy because I didn't know, and and this is this is gonna sound ignorant, but like I didn't know up until a couple of years ago that like that that region of of New York had a hip hop scene of its own. You know what I mean? Like and I. It's- and it's yeah, crazy. I used to and, live up there for a couple years. I went to college up there, like the early two thousands, and you know they had a, they definitely had an art and culture scene, but it wasn't very heavily hip hop influenced. And that's how I gravitated toward Griselda when they did come out, because I was like, wow, where the hell were you guys when I lived in Buffalo? Oh, you were in the feds. Okay, I get it now. You but know what's crazy. Their music is reflective of what they see and what they've experienced, as far as like. The poverty rate up there, the literacy rate, half of the people there can't read and write. So a lot of their music is grim as a reflection of what's happening there right now. You know, there's a lot of fentanyl overdoses that don't make the news unless a bunch of people OD'd at the same time. Now, Tio, you you were going to say? I was just going to piggyback when when they mentioned, um, it's funny that you mentioned about like Rochester because you don't really hear much of like hip hop music from those particular areas like the like the top one you probably heard mostly is like Mount Vernon. Yeah, what TO said, hip hop like when you say New York, you're going to think of obviously the five boroughs. So like like when somebody says New York hip hop to me at least, my mind automatically five boroughs, then five it'll boroughs. shift it'll shift to Long Island. Long Island. And then then I'll go I'll go further up, but like you said, people think about Yonkers and, and Mount Vernon because you know um, the Locks and DMX, Locks, but nobody. Ebony, Pete Rock and them. No one mentions them. No one like says anything about maybe Buffalo, but I don't hear about Rochester or Schenectady or Utica and all of them. It's just right. You know, really there's plenty of artists in there. Yeah, that's why. Hey, shout out, yo! Shout, I I know I said it once before, but yo, shout out to Benny the Butcher, man, and that that boy music is so good. Uh, at least, yeah, I, I know. I, I know. I know. We don't talk about him much here on the podcast. His name doesn't come up. Shit, Buffalo don't even come up. But I'm glad. I'm glad we got Tasha on here to, you know. Yeah, I need tra- to recognize. Tra- transition that com- conversation. Got it. Yeah. Seven one six five eight five. Got it. Y'all better stop sleeping on these guys and the women. I went all the way to Buffalo to interview uh, one of Shay my closest Moore. friends. One of my closest friends is a rapper. Yeah. Shout out my homegirl Bishop. My homegirl Bishop. Shout out She's to Shay Noor. Shay Noor repping Niagara Falls and Buffalo. Yeah. I went I went out there to interview her on camera. She's a producer too. Yeah, I actually saw that interview. That was that was that was some good stuff. Um but yeah, I was looking uh, we, out. Uh, absolutely. And like I said, yo, to everybody who's gonna listen to this, like, yo, look up look up Tasha's stuff, yo. She do some good work. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that that Shay Noir interview. So most thank most you. De- That's on youtube.com slash uh analog lady. Absolutely. Um so before we before we wrap it up again, Tasha, because you are our guest here, is there like any um anything that you're working on right this minute that you like wanna wanna tell the world? Oh my goodness, so many things, but top of mind, 
I'm working with Muhammad Ali's former business manager and confidant. His name is Dr. Mahdi. He wrote a book called Muhammad Ali, The Untold Story. And it's about his experience being his manager, but also dealing with racism as they traveled the world together. Um, So I'm working on the book launch campaign for that. I'm working on the Half a Mill Legacy campaign. Shout out to Albany Projects and Half a Mill's children and family that he left behind. Um, I'm also promoting my first film that I worked on. It's a documentary on Weldon Irvin, who was Nina Simone's band leader. Weldon Mm -hmm. taught Q-Tip how to play the piano. Um, His his music transcended generations. So he went from jazz and funk to he was a hip-hop artist named Master Well. He used to perform at showcases all over the place. That explains... That explains Tribe Style with the albums. <laughs> yeah, they sampled him for award tour. Um, yes. They sampled Weldon Irvin's We Getting Down. It's amazing. I have so much shit going on, but most importantly, I'm a devoted mother to my seven-year-old son. Shout out to Marley Shakur. He, that, is he, a, that, that is a dope name, by the way. He gets it all. He gets uh-huh. it all. <laughs> Why not? Oh. You know, but check out my work over at AnalogLady.com. I do not shoot all of my work anymore, but I do um, produce, edit, and lay the music for my work. I'm every woman like Shaka. Oh, that's going to be dope. That's going to be dope. Now, that's dope. And um, Tasha, if you don't mind, um, in the the episode description that'll pop up on... uh, Spotify and um, Apple Music uh, description of the, of this week's episode. I'm just gonna put links to everything that that you've mentioned, so people I can. I appreciate uh, you. Yeah, absolutely. So people can look you up and uh, like I said to the public, Tasha does some great work. If you're a real hip hop fan or you know you you're a real fan of the culture or the cause, you would you would make sure to to check out her work. Uh, shout outs to Tasha. She's a hardworking, busy woman doing a lot of dope content. And um, shout outs to the half a mil campaign and and all that good stuff. So, thank you guys for having me. This is a really cool, important platform um, about the culture, uplifting all of the things that we have done um, as a global music community. I'm very, very thankful for um, the internet and how it's connected all of us, um, within this global liberation movement and the African diaspora. So like I mentioned throughout this episode, like everybody has their role in the revolution, reach out to local trusted community organizations to see what you can do and how you can help move their bottom line forward. Because I'm very involved in the social justice movement in New York state. I work to change, um, the cash bail laws to eliminate cash bail for low-level offenses um, to keep our families together. Instead of fighting a case from um, inside of a jail cell, you can fight for your freedom from home if you have a low-level offense. Um, I fought for affordable housing in New York. We passed some pretty um, historical laws last year. We also passed a sweeping climate justice law. So just being involved in in those large-scale campaigns, not just mobilizing people at the grassroots movement, but actually changing policies at the state level. Like, change is going to come. Oh, yes, it will. 
Absolutely, absolutely, and um, I even though I know that you uh you quit on the on the government side of things out there, um, they don't know what they lost when they lost you. So definitely, yeah. well, the revolution did not start with them, and it will not end with them. I will mm-hmm. definitely be doing some um, more work out there on the front lines. I had been doing it for many years, but this was an opportunity for me to do it full time and to learn more about the policy level and, and, and the politics behind it. It was, it was a crash course for me in New York state politics and the experience to me was invaluable. So I'm definitely looking forward to doing more work in this space. Um, we need more climate justice advocates that look like me and you. You know, um, a lot of the environmental injustice that happens in our communities is the reason why a lot of us have respiratory illnesses, asthma, and and things like that at alarming rates. And that's why a lot of people are getting sick and and dying from COVID, from long-term exposure to air pollution. They do a lot of studies about the quality of air in our neighborhoods. So we need to really take climate justice very seriously, especially in Black, Brown, and poor communities. Exactly. Uh, Absolutely. Listen to what she said, y'all. This is important, important, y'all. Not only is she for the culture, she for the cause, too. Tasha, we appreciate everything that you do. And um, it was, I I think I could speak on on behalf of the three of us and and honestly say it's a a great pleasure having you on the show this week with us. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate the invite. You know, Alfred invited me immediately after we connected, and I couldn't help but um, oblige because he's just amazing. And, and I appreciate you guys creating this platform and allowing me to um, contribute to it. Absolutely. If you ever feel like you, uh, you want back on or there's a project you want to promote and come back on the show, the uh, invitation is uh, extended. I appreciate you. For real. Not a problem. I'll definitely uplift the show on my platform. It'll be featured on my website as um, part of my portfolio and so on and so forth. And I'll definitely send it out in my newsletter, too. Appreciate that. And with that being said, this is the Rap Lab Podcast awesome. for this week. Thank you so much. And, uh, we, we, we'll hit y'all next week. Once again, shout outs to Tasha Digital for stopping by to chat with us on some, on some uh, very important issues, both in the world and in music. And uh, yeah, we're going to see y'all next week. Rest in peace, yes. Prodigy. Yep, R.I.P. Prodigy. Mob deep forever. Yes, indeed. Yes, uh, yes indeed. Well.